Swamiji, what makes a true religion or a religion true? Well, it's true that what you're saying. What you're implying is that there are also false religions. A true religion is that which takes you to union with God. Any religion that talks just about going to heaven is not a true religion. The, we, the goal of all life, everything has come from God, everything must merge back into him. That is Sanatana Dharma, the eternal religion. It has to be the religion of, in the most distant galaxy in our universe because there cannot be any other. But any religion that promises you just heaven is not a true religion because heaven is a temporary state. You go to heaven, you come back here. Finally, you have to go beyond heaven to what is known as the causal world. And then from that world, you have to unite your soul with God. So true religions have to begin with that. And it seems that uh, the expression of religion in these days is a very institutionalized one. Yes, and that's not religion. That's just an um, outward form. Religion is not a form. True religion is... Uh, well, actually, the word religion comes from religare in Latin, which means to bind. And you have to bind your ego. You have to bind your lower self to go to the higher self. Swamiji, what did Jesus mean when he said, heaven is within you? This is, this, the source of everything is your own self. Truth, God, everything is center everywhere, circumference nowhere. That means the center of your being is inside yourself. We are always looking for heaven outside. We try to create wealth, we try to create beautiful homes, we try to create beautiful environment. All of this is outside. We have to learn that God is inside ourselves. The heaven that we're looking for is the bliss of our own being. And when Jesus used the word heaven in that state, in that sense, he was talking of the bliss of God. God's nature is bliss. Our nature as his creations is bliss. Swami, can you tell us that story that Yogananda told about the musk deer? Oh, yes, that's, that's actually it's a written, it's an old legend that he got. But the musk deer, at a certain time every year, secretes in a pouch in its navel the fragrance of musk. And so the musk deer runs everywhere looking for this, the source of this beautiful fragrance. Sometimes it'll leap off high crags and crash to its death. And then the hunter will come and take that and sell it for a very costly perfume in the market. And so the poet, in telling this story, said, Oh, musk dear, if you had only known that the source of your uh, desire was in your own self. And so Sanatan Dharma then is the true religion manifest in many forms of religion? Well, there are many forms of, uh, there are many disciplines, as there are many paths going up the mountainside. But those which reach the summit are the true religion. And they can come from left, south, south, north, east, west, it doesn't matter. Once you reach the summit, it's all the same. So some will say, don't have any images. Some will say, see every image as a, uh, 
expression of God. Ideal worship, not idol worship. But idol worship exists also, and that's false. Idol worship means worshiping anything in place of God. That is to say, money, fame, all the things that people seek in this world. This world is full of idol worshipers. Even if they call themselves not idol worshipers, as long as they have any material desire, they are worshiping an idol. So then the essence of religion is to realize God within the self. Yes, yes. And for people who are new to the spiritual path, how do they proceed in that quest? Well, um, it depends on what you mean by new to the spiritual path. One time a disciple said to Yogananda, will I ever fall from the path? He said, how could you? Everyone in the world is on the spiritual path. They don't know it, but they, the happiness that they're seeking in things is really the desire of their soul for God. And everybody really is looking for only two things, one to avoid pain, the other <coughs> to find happiness. And that happiness that they are looking, are looking for is a lower octave of bliss. That octave can be translated as happiness. It can be translated even lower. Another octave lower would be pleasure. An octave lower than that might be um, revenge, um, hatred, all these things. But everything is a manifestation of bliss in even a distorted form. So even the most evil gangster is still... He's looking for that and he doesn't know it yet. And it takes many lifetimes to find the truth. So when somebody comes onto the paths of, as we speak of it, it, well, in my case, I can say that I was looking for truth. And I avoided God because I didn't like what people offered me in, as, as God. It seemed to me boring and judgmental and unattractive. And so I tried to find truth through science, through politics, through the arts. I realized that at the end of everything, nothing quite works. It's sort of just a little bit more than you've got it, but you can't get that something more. And finally I realized that the thing I was seeking was God. And in fact, at that point, I was trying to perfect myself. And I found that it was a very difficult job. I didn't know how to do it. Finally, I realized I needed help, and that's when I found my guru. But to be on the spiritual path can be many different things. Some people seek him through service, some through uh, meditation, some through becoming renunciates, all sorts of ways. The most direct path is that which helps you to calm your mind and realize the spirit inside you. Swamiji, do you think everyone's path is unique? In a sense, it's unique, yes. Because God, this is the beautiful thing that Yogananda, when he defined Satchitananda, he said it's ever-existing, ever-conscious, ever-new bliss. And that new was the operative word here. Everything, bliss is constantly expressing itself in new ways so that everybody, in a sense, represents a specific 
his own particular and unique way of being blissful. It's hard to describe, but every soul in who achieves liberation achieves infinite bliss, and yet in his particular way. But there are commonalities as well? Of course. Bliss is common, love is common, peace is common, yes. But it's all... But there's a certain characteristic that makes it yours. Swamiji, uh, religion it almost inevitably implies certain outward rituals, certain outward practices and beliefs. How to balance that with the more inward side that you're speaking of? I don't have too much regard for the outer things. Of course, there will be some. But uh, the main thing is to understand the inwardness even of the outwardness. Mm -hmm. In other words, why do you give up eating meat? Because it helps you inwardly to have a calmer mind. Why do you uh, genuflect? Because it helps you to feel that you are bowing before God. But to do it in outward movement doesn't, doesn't accomplish very much. So the ritual should be a reminder of your inner attitudes. The ego is centered in the medulla oblongata. And that's why people look down their noses at others if they're egotists. Well, this is why all over the world the gesture for humility is a bow. Releasing the tension back here and giving it, and release, bowing your head. Well, that is a worthwhile gesture because it reminds you of something you should do inwardly. But no outward ritual in itself has merit unless it is tied to some inward uh, attitude. Otherwise, it's just mumbo-jumbo and doesn't do anything. Swamiji, would you tell us that story about the dog tied to the post? Well, there was... <laughs> There was a man who was wanting to do a shraddha ceremony, as they call it in India, for his departed father. And a dog came into the room, and he didn't want to defile the ceremony with the dog, so he went outside and tied the dog to the post on the porch, and then continued his, his uh, service. Well, when he died many years later, his son wanted to do the service exactly as his father had done. And he remembered that there was a dog tied to a porch, a post on the porch. Well, he didn't own the dog, so he went next door and borrowed the dog <laughs> and brought it and carefully tied it to the post. And so in all successive generations, that dog became the most important part of that family Shraddha ceremony. And that's what I mean by so much of ceremony. It just doesn't have meaning. Swamiji, uh, there was a statement, I believe it was Lahiri Mahashai, Yogananda's guru's guru, who said, all time is wasted that is not spent seeking God. How would you explain that? Well, what are you doing? You're mostly here, we're, most, of the, most of our lives here are spent just marking time. And that's how we go on for incarnation after incarnation. We should realize that the only really valuable time that we have is that which takes us toward the truth, that is to say, toward God. And so, how do you see God? You can't spend 24 hours a day meditating, but at least try to give everything to God.
when you eat, beforehand, offer it to God. When you meet people, try to feel that I'm talking to God in this form. Try always to lift your consciousness to a, His consciousness, even while you're doing mundane things. You want to read, you want to eat, you want to walk, but always share these things with God. And then you will find that, in a sense, you are seeking God even then. But it wasn't Lady Marsha who said it. It was some ancient sage he was quoting. Oh, okay. And it's true that that uh, all time is wasted that is not spent in offering ourselves to our one truth. And wasted means, well, another incarnation can go by. I'd call that a waste if it doesn't give you what you're looking for. Because you look for happiness and you don't find it. That's a waste. And we look for happiness in so many ways until we understand that He is the truth we're looking for.